What up, party people? This is the Inland Heart coming at you from Santa Monica, California, just letting you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And also, it's a damn good day to make a damn good new plan. What am I talking about? I'm talking about making a plan. It is so important to be on a plan. Maybe right now you feel stagnant. You're just like pond water. You're just sitting there. Mosquitoes be laying eggs all up in you. You don't want that. You want to be flowing. You want to be healthy. You want to be vibrant. You want to be using your time effectively. How do we do that? We make plans. Now, plans come in all shapes and sizes. You can have a wealth plan. How to get wealthy 101. What's your plan? Your 35-year goal. Financial advisors, what up? You can have a social plan. How are you going to get out of, you know, your extrovert out of you, right? You know, we're all inside for the coronavirus. How are you going to make more friends? How are you going to go to a bar and enjoy yourself? How are you going to fit that in with your schedule? You can have a health plan. How are you going to start drinking a gallon of water a day? How are you going to incorporate better habits? You can even have a clean your room plan. I know I need it right now. I'm making it right now. Plans are just so important because when you're on a plan, you're moving forward. You're moving in a direction. If you're facing a really tough challenge and you kind of feel like you're stuck you've tried everything there's no other way it's like you've run out of all the options you get so depressed you get so in your own head and it just defeats you when you make a new plan when you figure out a new method of attack you go buy the new book to learn about that new thing that could impact your health or you go out there and open up a new bank account in a new type of situation it gives you hope it gives you hope and belief and hope and belief changes your attitude. And having a good attitude makes you just so much more of a productive, happy human living on rock and time and space where we don't know what the F is about to happen. So it's always important, be on a plan, make a plan, have a to-do list, figure where you wanna be a year out, three years out, five years out, and follow the plan to your best of your ability. And if you feel like you're off the plan, make a new plan or go visit your old plan. Make sure you're carrying that plan all day long. Whoever sends me the number of how many times I just said plan, you'll get entered into a raffle for a free damn good day mug. But what I can tell you is we're on a new plan for this next now 98 episodes to come and they are going to be some damn good ones. So let's jump into today's guest. David Neagle is an internationally recognized success coach and author of The Millionaires Within and the host of the Successful Mind podcast. He's worked alongside Bob Proctor, Tony Robbins, and Mark Victor Hansen and has coached hundreds of entrepreneurs to become seven-figure business owners. He's been featured recently in Entrepreneur, CNBC, and more for his business expertise. What's crazy about David is David suffered a near-death incident where he was pulled into a dam, broke his back, and nearly drowned. No one expected David to survive the accident, and even rescue workers pronounced to his family that he was dead. But damn, David did survive. He made the decision that day to begin the journey responsibly for changing his entire life. Through the power of mindset work, he incrementally and systematically increased his income and eventually became a multi-million dollar business owner. In this episode, we discuss turning your L's to W's, losses to wins, building your life portfolio the hard way, and building a business in a hectic environment. As always, you can watch this podcast with David and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 102 with David Neagle. Let's jump into it. We're live. David Neagle's in the building. What up, my man? It's great to see you. Nice to see you. How you doing? Doing good. We we recently, I, when was the last time we spoke? About two and a half, three weeks ago? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
man, I love that conversation. I love what you have to share, what you have to offer. Your podcast is amazing. Your, your breadth of history is amazing. And there seems to just be so much knowledge and insights crammed into your head. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just very impressed with you as an individual. Thank you. I appreciate that. How did, uh, when you first got involved in this journey of, of becoming the successful mind, you know, and falling in love with this idea of networking and meeting people and, and cause your network has become so vast. I mean, the people that you're connected with people that you've had on your show, truly amazing. And it's just a testament to your character. Where did this kind of entrepreneurial venture start for you? It started with a question and the, and the question was from some painful stuff that I was experiencing as a child and not being able to reconcile the idea. Well, so this is basically what it was. I'm, I was born in 1966. So I'm seeing the end of the sixties, the beginning of the seventies as a youth, a very young, young boy. Uh, but I'm also being raised Catholic and the, the religion is telling me that we're all God's children you know, God loves all his children. Um, you know, the whole, the whole narrative that, that religion uh, preaches, but I'm seeing the opposite in my life. And it's not just the, the civil unrest and everything that we were going through as a country back then. Um, but it was in my own personal family. There was a major tragedy in 1970. Um, my two cousins and their father died in a house fire. It, it, I don't think anybody in my family ever emotionally recovered from that. It just progressively got worse. I don't think that they had the emotional intelligence to deal with it. Um, and I'm watching things, you know, just progressively get worse in my life uh, without any real control over it because I'm a child. But I have this question and I'm seriously trying to find the answer to this question as a kid. So I would go to my religious, you know, we had catechism, CCD, that type of thing that we had to go to every week, church. Uh, my parents were not super religious. They didn't even really participate, but it was, but they insisted that it become part of my education as a child. So I did the whole, I did the whole thing, uh, the whole uh, Catholicism thing. But I would ask, I would ask priests, I would ask nuns, whoever was teaching us, you know, how do you, how, what are the answers to this? How do you explain all of this unrest in the world, but God loves his children? Why would God let this happen? You know, and they would, they, nobody could explain it to me. Nobody would ever give me an intelligent answer. So the question just kind of stayed in my back pocket and I'm growing up. My parents get divorced when I'm 13. Uh, we were briefly living in Phoenix for a, a brief period of time. When they got divorced, we moved back to Chicago with my mother. My mother kind of went off the deep end for three years. So I'm, from 13 to 16, she was not around much. And when she was, we didn't see eye to eye on anything. Um, so I'm trying to figure out life. Um, I have no direction. I don't have a real solid adult in my life giving me direction, holding me accountable, nothing. And I'm also looking. I, I remember watching families that, of friends of mine and thinking to myself, well, this is family's fucked up. And this family's fucked up. You know, where is there a good family that is, that, that, you know, where I could be like, oh, I'd like to be you know, a father and a husband, you know, in a family like this, you know, what does a good family look like? And I'm just not finding it anywhere. So I, I, would I, and, and here's the other thing, I'm, while all this is going on, I'm working, I used to buy cars real cheap, fix them up, sell them for a profit. I was always doing something to make money, right? So that's kind of in the background and that's more out of necessity than desire, you know? So 
because we didn't have much. We didn't have much, much money. I was never going to get any money from my mom. If I needed something, I had to buy it myself. So I'm, I'm learning those skill sets as I'm going along. And then I quit high school at 17. I went into the army for a brief period of time. I was like, this is fucked up. I, would go, I go over to Germany, don't even realize we're in the middle of the Cold War, you know, and what's going on over there. So uh, as soon as I could get out, I got out, came home, uh, decided to get married and have two children, like not two brain cells in my head to, to rub together. You know, like I don't have anything squared away in my life. I don't, I don't have any skill sets. So I'm basically driving a forklift and driving a truck on the weekends. And my life is progressively getting worse. I, I don't know how to save money. I don't know how to budget money. I'm an emotional spender. Um, uh, we live in a bad neighborhood. We, we went bankrupt. Our car was repossessed. And I'm, so I finally start, so I have this accident in 1989 where I got sucked through a dam. How old were you? Uh, 23, 23 years old. Get sucked through a dam, almost die. And that wakes me up a little bit. It wakes me up to the idea that, oh shit, if, if, you know, if something happens, I leave my family with nothing, like just a, a whole shitload of problems. So I start thinking probably for the first time. And I'm thinking if I'm ever going to do something, I, if I'm ever going to change something, I know that I need to do it now. Now at this point in my life, I'm starting to wake up to the idea that I created these problems that I have and I created them by making poor decisions, but I didn't know how to change them. And I couldn't find anybody to give me some guidance on how to change them because I would say, listen, you know, here's the situation. We can't pay our bills. I don't have a skill set to get a better job. I'm driving a forklift. What do I do? How do I change this? Now, you know, this is all pre-internet, right? If you wanted to go to college or university, you had to go at night or you had to go on the weekends and you had to have money. I didn't have any of those things. We just didn't have the time. Um, and people would say, you shouldn't have quit high school to begin with. And it's like, well, Jesus Christ, that's, you know, thanks a lot. That That's not helping a damn thing. So, uh, I would get, I would, I would also get like work more overtime. I'm like, I'm working as much overtime as I can right now. Just stay with the job. Just stay with it. it there was no intelligence behind these answers at all. So I have this, I have this major emotional breakdown one night. I, I come into work. I get disciplined twice before I even start before for, for not doing a good job, which I totally deserved because I wasn't. My, my work quality was crap. And I'm in the back of this trailer. I'm, t I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted. It's a freezing cold night, Tuesday in February in Chicago. It's like 20 below zero. Um, and I just break down and I'm crying in the back of this trailer. I don't know what to do. I seriously don't know what to do, Ian. I'm so stuck. And I, I'm asking God, show me something, something, just anything. I will do it. Show me where to go. Show me what to do. And this voice in my head, very loudly and very clearly, says, change your attitude. And So you have like an out-of-human experience. Yeah, it was very, and I tell people all the time, it was almost like somebody was standing next to me in the trailer. You know, like it seemed audible to me. But I was also highly emotional. You know, I'm basically having a dark night of the soul moment. Um, wherever the voice came from, it was there. And that's all it said. And it didn't repeat it. It didn't say anything else. It just said one time, change your attitude. And it was very clear. 
So I started asking myself the question, what is an attitude? Because it wasn't like this is the first time that I've heard it. When I was a kid in school and I didn't get good grades because I never got good grades in school, they would drag my mom and dad in, you know, and they would say, David's a pretty bright guy. If he would just change his attitude about what he was doing, he would probably get better grades. And here's, here's the answer my parents had to this. They would take me home. They would ground me from one report card to another. I had to stay in my room every day when I came home from school with the idea that I'm supposed to study to get my grades up. I had no privileges. This went on most of my youth, right? Like the only time I was ever allowed to go out and do something was generally in the summertime. All year long, I was stuck in my room, but nobody ever took the time to teach me how to study. They just didn't. It was like, go in your room and study. So I'm in my room fucking off. Like, you know, building First of all, you, you have a really good memory. Like, you can go back and you're like, man. I have a very good memory. I think I have a photographic memory, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's scary. It's, it's pretty scary accurate. That's pretty cool, though. That's, like, that's probably the closest thing to a real-life superpower you can have in this world. Yeah, well, it helps. But it didn't help when I was in school, interesting enough, because <laughs> I would read a freaking history book and I couldn't remember a damn thing that I would read. Anyway, so, so that was their answer. Um, and the, the, I didn't really know what an attitude was. So I did something that was, come to find out later on, this was a pretty intelligent thing to do, but I didn't know it was at the time. I was just grasping at straws. I said, okay, if I was to pick a person that I would like to be like, right? Who would that be? Because I was, I was looking for somebody where I thought in my mind, if I really applied myself, maybe I could be like this dude, right? And it happened to be the owner of the company that I worked for. And he had a, he owned the largest food import company in the country at the time, but he started it in his garage, which I found very interesting because it, there was, for some reason, because he started in his garage, I felt like I could relate to him. It wasn't because, you know, the stories that I heard when you were a kid were you had to be like uber intelligent if you were going to be successful. You had to go to school for a long time. You had to be a movie star. It was, and it was all said to me with the indication that you're none of these things, David. So you better, you probably should just better get a regular job and, and go that route. And I was like, okay, this dude started this in his garage. So if he started this in his garage and he built it up to this huge corporation, he must have liked what he did because I hated what I was doing. And I'm like, how did he do that? Like, how did he get through every day? He must have liked it. So I'm like, okay, number one, I'm going to act like I love what I do. Then I said, what else? And I said, well, he must have done a damn good job because to go from your garage to this, to being the largest food importer in the United States, he had to do a good job. And damn I'm, good and I, job. Damn good job, yeah. And I knew that I wasn't, right? I was working to go home. I was not working to get anything done correctly. I could really give a shit about the quality of the work. So I said, okay, I'm going to do every job to the best of my ability. Now, remember, I never had anybody when I was a kid push me to my best to show me what my best was, really to accomplish something and then be proud of it and then show me how to go beyond that and then do better and then show me how to go beyond that and do better. I didn't have it. So I'm like, I'm going to do every job to the best of my ability. And the third thing was that I noticed that he did something that I found really fascinating because I grew up with this idea that rich people were assholes. And I noticed that when he would come through the warehouse, because we had like one of the first automated warehouses. I mean, it was like, 
I don't know what he spent on it, but he had these, you know, all these people design it. It was really amazing for the time. He would bring other corporations in to see it. He was always doing tours of the, of the plant. But he would never walk past an employee without addressing them, without saying, hello, how are you? How's your family? You having a good day? Anything I can do for you? That type of thing. And that impressed me because it was, it was contradicting what I had heard about wealthy people. So I said, okay, those three things. I'm going to act like I love what I do, do every job to the best of my ability, and I'm going to treat everybody with total respect. And I'm going to do it for a year and see if anything comes of it. You know. Now, at the same time, I get this voice in my head going, you've never stuck to anything for six weeks, let alone a year. What makes you think you're going to do this? And I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it. No matter what, I'm going to do it. So I play these mind games with myself while I was working, but I did it. 30 days later, my income tripled. I went from 20,000 a year to 62,000 a year. And this is like 1991, maybe 90, 91, right in there. I wasn't even born yet. There you go. Thanks. I feel better now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but here's the thing. It blew my mind because I was trying to figure out how do I get to 40,000 a year? And here I am 30 days later making 62,000. And I'm thinking, what the that's hell? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money back then, too. It, it's, it's totally a lot. It totally changed my life. It allowed me to get out of a bad neighborhood. It allowed me to buy a house. It allowed me to buy a new car. Like, it totally changed our life. You know, we finally, we were in a nice neighborhood. We had a small home. We had a nice, uh, nice schools for our kids. Like, it was, you know, I mean, it was like the whole middle class thing. I was like, you got this. But everybody was saying, you got really lucky. You got really lucky. You know, God was smiling on you, all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, I did something that affected this. I don't know what it was or how it works, but I know I did something. That put me on the path of studying. So now the question was, what do I study, right? Because again, it's no internet. You got to go to the library. You got to go to a bookstore. I didn't know what to get. Um, and I come across, one night I come home about three o'clock in the morning because I work nights and uh, heat up my plate of dinner in the microwave, sit down, turn on the television. There's Tony Robbins, his very first infomercial with Fran Tarkenton. And he's talking, everything he's saying, it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. That's exactly what my problem is, right? I'm, I'm hearing this. Takes me three nights to make the decision to pull out a credit card and buy <laughs> the personal power tapes. I'm seriously, the first the first night I saw it, I couldn't even get out of the chair to go to the phone. The second night, I get up, go to the phone, and then when the operator answers, I hang up. I'm scared to death. It was like 167 bucks, and I'm scared to death to charge this money because I just went through a bankruptcy and that whole thing, right? So I'm very like, I don't want to fuck this up. I don't want to spend money I shouldn't be spending, you know, that type of thing. It's probably right. a scam. He's probably a con guy. Like all this crap's going through my mind. And so I end up, I buy the tapes and I start listening to it. And of course, in, those in that series, Tony mentioned many books that he had studied, right? Think and Grow Rich, As a Man Thinketh, Man's Search for Meaning, you know, on and on. Uh, different psychiatrists, you know, stuff like that. So I start getting these books and start reading them uh, and, and ultimately start getting books on cassette tape. I have a hundred mile uh, drive to work one way every day, right? So it's basically a 90-minute drive to work, 90-minute drive home, at the very least. I turned my car into a library. It was a place for me to study every day. So I got every book that I could, biographies, anything that was self-help at the time, 
uh, lectures, seminars on tape, everything I could get. And that's what I, that's what I started doing. And I did it for seven years along with going to seminars, right? So, what was your thought on that? Did you almost enjoy that life? I mean, that sounds insane to have a, a three hours just commuting to and from work. Yeah, did. did you try I to change it. it? I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it because it was giving me an opportunity to learn something. So that 90 minutes was like mine, right? I didn't have to deal with my wife or my kids or my pressures or whatever. It was like all mine and I could just sit and listen and I did it over and over. and I worked six days a week. So it was, I mean, constant. It was just constant three hours a day of studying. That's and amazing. Working. And slowly by, you know, one thing after another, I began to put the pieces together uh, to find out how I did what I did. How do I go about changing things that I want to change? And seven years later, I started my own business. And that was 21 years ago. Can you, year. talk, can you talk about what that business is? Yeah. So uh, what ended up happening was I got involved with a network marketing company around 1996. That was my first step into being an entrepreneur. And, and what I loved about it, well, I loved, I loved the ethic that they, that they touted, right? It's a great product. You get to help people. You get to help lift people up. Everybody has a chance to make as much money as they want on their own merits, there's nobody to keep you down, that type of thing. So I loved that idea because it was my first chance to, to have a vehicle where I could, with the potential of earning as much money based on how I develop myself. So that, like, I was so excited when I came across something like that. And I loved the product that we had. I mean, it was the Nikon Corporation. It was magnetic health products from Japan. And they, they were really great. I mean, they were fantastic products. And they were big in the 90s. Um, so through that company, I met the man that would end up becoming my mentor. So in 1996, I meet Bob Proctor and I start going to his seminars and he really put the pieces together for me because he brought in the whole spiritual side, which I had a ton of questions around. Um, and the guy was just speaking my language. So I began to study with him and he, and when I started studying with him, that's when I really saw massive change start to, to happen big time. So then I start coaching with him. And um, I was helping people on the side because people saw my life getting better. And they would ask me, they pull me aside and be like, what are you doing? How are you doing this? And I would start coaching them. And I'd be like, do this, do this, read this book, try this, you know, this type of stuff. Their lives were getting better. Their businesses were growing. And in, in 1999, I got the opportunity to become a facilitator for Bob Proctor's seminars. The first seminar was the science of getting rich. This was the first time he ever did this. I was in the first group that got trained. There were 250 people in that group. I don't think there's one of them that's still around today out of the original 250. Um, but that's where it started. And then uh, within a short period of time, I started teaching my own seminars, uh, built a multi-million dollar global company. Uh, now I own a couple of companies. Um, but it, it was based on the idea of teaching people truth principles that would allow them to, ex to expand their financial capability in, in business and, and entrepreneurism. And, you know, I got great results. I got really great results with the people that I worked with. So it just kept growing and growing and growing. And it, you know, it's, it's history. I mean, that's what it is. Man, I look up to you. I, listening to everything you're saying, the detail, I felt like I was just watching a short film <laughs> with how you described your come up and the journey and this just the sadness and the heartache and all of the painful experiences that 
you now have the ability to look back and see that these are were all bricks building you into the person you are today. And yeah. it's, it's interesting because you don't shy away from telling what went down, but you almost respect all of these experiences. And there's everybody out there has had these similar experiences. And the question is, have they been able to convert that bad experience into this fuel? You know, it's almost like this bad experience is corn and they haven't yet figured out how to create ethanol. And they're just trying to figure that out. But if they were able to make that distinction, it's like you have this fuel, which is your past and the shittiness that went down. You talk about your cousins dying in a fire, like wholly traumatic. You know, people never recover from stuff like that. That is a absolute showstopper. And you somehow see this as this giant learning platform and step to what lessons can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Which is the only option, right? Like you don't have a choice. You got to move on. You got to keep going. But you, well, you're, you know, here's the thing though. This, this is the thing that really, that really caused so many questions in my mind. I was the only one that wanted to do it, right? There were people that, that were around me, siblings, you know, nobody else wanted to really change. Yet they would all complain about life, which I thought at the time meant that they wanted to change. But come to find out they really didn't. They just wanted to complain. So I, I kept looking for how do I make my life better because I had no example of anything getting better. The example that I got was very stark, and was that people's lives were getting worse. Like as they got older, as we went through life, their lives were not getting better. It was like one fucking tragedy after the next, one drama scene after the next, and it was not getting any better, you know? So yeah, I mean, it was hard. It was, it was going through it was very difficult because I didn't have the tools. Once I started to get the tools and I start, started to emotionally detach for the need to be like other people, right? Then it started to become easy. I think breaking that emotional attachment from the need to be accepted and liked and loved from people that are basically in many cases even toxic, when I broke away from that, and I started to get to know who I was and really say yes about me and my life, what I want, put a stake in the ground for that. That's when it started to get easier. And you have this near death experience too. And out of everything you just mentioned, you kind of glazed over that. I yeah. mean, you broke your back, you're almost drowned. Like, holy shit. That yeah. must've been a, a, cause not many people, it's interesting with getting sick and I've had my health challenges, not nearly relevant to breaking your back, but you don't appreciate, it's almost impossible to appreciate little things like the ability to walk and see and stuff like that, unless you've been compromised, unless you've lived life without it, unless you've seen the other side. And you've seen just about as scary of the other side as it gets. And you're still here to tell the tale. Tell us about that. Um, I, you know, looking at the time, I didn't know this. But looking back on it, all of the things that I went through were 100% necessary for me to be the person that I was so that I could be the person that I was becoming. Each one of those things was, there were so many lessons later on, you know, looking into it that I needed to learn that was, that caused me to have those experiences. Like for the dam, for the dam, uh, when I went through that dam. One of the first things was completely trusting in from an ignorant perspective, other people that they knew what they were doing, right? 
I did, I did no research on where we were going, the body of water that we were going to be in, where we were supposedly skiing. Um, I had no idea if my uncle really knew what he was doing with this boat. No, nothing. And so for my responsibility, it's like, how the fuck did I get so close to the dam? Well, I, because I wasn't paying attention to what somebody else was doing. And then I just abdicated my ability to choose over to somebody else that they knew. And I ended up in a bad situation. Had I done that, I would have probably said, hey, we're too close to this dam to be skiing. We need to go further up the river because if something happens, we're too damn close. I didn't do that. I wasn't even paying attention, right? So it's kind of like, yeah, he has responsibility, but I can't put that off on him if I ever want to not have that experience again. I need to know where I fucked up with it. So there you go. And with every experience, I found out what was my responsibility in creating this experience? How did I get involved in this bad relationship? Or how did I get involved with somebody that stole $5 million from my company? How did I get involved in this mishap or that mishap? What am I doing or not doing that is causing me to have the experiences that I'm having? And then slowly, so once you accept responsibility, the blame goes away, the victimization goes away, and now I'm empowered to change something. So now it's like, what tools, techniques, and skills do I need to learn to change so I can better my life every day and not keep having these horrific experiences? And it was the same thing with, with my parents and my grandparents. They didn't have the tools. So they were just emotionally reacting to life with every twist and turn that life threw at them. And of course, each thing was getting worse because they didn't have the tools to correct what was causing it to begin with. Yeah, the tools. It's cool because the tools exist. The information exists. The YouTube exists. The how-tos exist. Yeah. Everything you actually need if you have an internet connection exists. The question is, do all of the burdens and all of the weights of your life and all of the shit and the negativity and the stagnation, are they higher than the motivation to click, the motivation and the curiosity to learn? And I think everybody has curiosity. They just haven't found the right curiosity. Like you ever go on a tangent about something like you, you get stoked about, you know, for example, I remember when I first got a fish like at a fair, it led down a amazing tunnel of hours and hours and days and days researching everything there is to know about saltwater aquariums ended up working at a fish store i just became so passionate about it and so excited yeah. about it it's a, it's a hobby the yeah. people don't have enough hobbies in their life if they have if you don't have the right hobby you got to go find the research you got to find something that sparks sparks creativity in you for you it's these tapes you're listening to these tapes it's making your mind have these little mind gasms and you're just like, Oh my gosh, like what? Like I can do this. I can become this. It's training and making you more skilled. But for some people, they might find those tapes, the most boring, annoying things on the yeah. planet. But for yeah. them, it might be building, it might be carpentry. It might be just some sort of backyard thing that gets them thinking, gets them being creative. But I found the best way to be creative is doing what we're doing right now. It's talking to interesting people that you think are one step above you. Like the way I look at you, I see you as this amazing human that mentor that I can learn so much from. On top of it, I'm grateful we've become friends. But by doing these podcasts and by engaging with other individuals that are outside there making things happen, you know, you'll say stuff and I'm just thinking and turning. How can I put that key into my life? What am I missing? And people need to constantly be reaching out and pushing themselves 
to uncover new stuff. That's what keeps you young. That's what keeps you happy. When all the shit hits the fan, that's what keeps you feeling good. It's like, how much good can you stack that outweighs the bad? And then you can focus on the good. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. You know, the, here's another thing though, because you said something interesting. Like, what about, what about the, the interest to do it, to push the button, to do the research, you know, whatever. I think that person has to look at what is the foundation of how they actually view life. If you're raised in an environment where the people that raised you really are not empowered, they really believe that they're victims of the world, whatever that is to them, that is a bad place. That is a bad ideology to have in your mind because something needs to happen for you to realize that you actually have the power to change something. I have found that most people won't go that step until something happens that shows them or at least intrigues them to the idea that they do have the power to cause change in their life. I mean, I had it, I don't really, well, I shouldn't say I don't know where it came from. I think I got a little bit of it from my grandmother and a little bit of it from my father. They weren't totally steeped in it, but they had enough uh, that allowed them to pass along a few good tidbits, which... Also, you know, the other thing with the idea of mixing religion is gave me this idea that there's another answer. And I wanted to find out, is the other answer true? Is it true or not? You know, is, the, is everything that I'm hearing bullshit or do we really have the power to be, do, create whatever it is that we want? So it was answering that question. And I think that, that I think that's part of the human soul. Like, People have that question inside of them, and, and the, the question then becomes, what are you going to do with that question? Are you going to pursue that question and actually see for yourself if you have the ability? And to do it, you've got to be all in on something. You've got to take one thing and just be all in on it, like we did with the fish, right? I did it with the tapes. I did it with, I was all in for that 30 days that I changed where I tripled my, my income, you know? And I saw a massive result. Now that was like, holy shit, I've never had any result like this before. You can't tell me it's not, doesn't have something to do with what I did. So now I got to figure out what it was, you know? And if people would just give themselves the opportunity to, to step into their power a little bit, the universe will meet them right where they are and it will show them. They, you, you, you will get the signs. You will get the opportunities that show up in your life that say, yes, you're on the right, you're on the right path. You're not there yet, but keep saying yes to the opportunities because they're going to take you there one step at a time. Yeah. Keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. 100%. Yep. Do you want to go hang out later? Yes. Do you want to go do this thing? Yes. Do you want to go to this conference? Yes. Be a yes person. Just crush yeses. More yeses, less well, That's what less you did no's. with the opportunities that came your way, right? Like I remember asking you, how did you get involved in this, that, and the other? And it was like, you said yes to those opportunities that showed up in your life. Mm. Yeah, constantly just basically moving forward. Like, you know how some people will look at you and they'll say, how does he do it? Or how does he, yeah. like, like what, what's wrong? Like what goes on in your brain? And you just look at someone like they're inhuman. And then when you're actually doing something and you get told that, and everybody, everybody listening has had that happen in some way, shape, or form. Even for like gaming, right? Like someone's like, right. how does he game for six hours a day? Hey, you know? <laughs> if you knew, if you knew what, what goes down, you know, what goes down in COD, you'd understand. But yeah, I, ju I just think that it, you got to get into a habit of becoming constantly curious and yeah. constantly bettering yourself. I mean, man, I'm just so scared of not living up to my potential. That's, that's what drives me. I, 
I always See, look that's at different these. though. Ian, that's really the key. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And, it, and I was referencing this the other day about Michael Jordan. I don't know if you saw the, the, the series that came out on ESPN over the last several weeks of Jordan's last year in basketball. I don't know if you saw it with the Bulls. I don't know if you saw it. You should see it. You should watch it. It's phenomenal. It's really because it's all about his mindset, really, and, and what drove him to be the best. And there's this one thing where he talks about that he's like, his fear was not the fear of the other guy in the basketball cart court. His fear was not the fear of not making the jump shot. His fear was that he would not live to his potential. So there's a, that's a different fear because I think that fear drives a person, whether if you have a fear like I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail if I don't get this sale, I'm going to fail if somebody makes fun of me or whatever. That's a fear that's kind of pushing against you to do something. So I think part of it is we have to get our fears working for us, mm. right? It's not that fear is necessarily a bad thing, but if it's actually driving you to do better, like I'm afraid to have to go back and live in a, next door to a crack dealer again. I'm afraid that I'll never reach my potential. That's a fear that's driving me forward. And then I use my, my inspirations and my aspirations to help pull me in that direction also. So now everything's working together in, in, the, in the right direction. Yeah, and if you're just working you know, a typical sales job in corporate America, I think that every day you should wake up with a little bit of fear that you're going to get fired. I think you should always have fear that you're going to be fired and that tomorrow could be your last day if you don't yeah. perform. Because that's going to get you to realize and do the things and think three steps ahead, which is what all the head honchos do, on how to avoid such situation. You know, it's oh. just like it's planning, in ahead. it's planning ahead, you know. It's working now before the floods come. It's, and it's not complicated work. Like doing these podcasts, and you've seen it. I'm sure you've talked to so many individuals where you're just like, how did that, like, it was that easy for them? Like, oh, well, I just made a, a video every day for, you know, the last decade. And now I have 7 million YouTube subscribers and make $100,000 a month. Oh, All right. that doesn't sound too hard. One video a week. But it's like that consistency, that, that mental uh, duplication, that refusal, that letting down yourself is worse than letting down others to be able to actually execute. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and also having some long-term vision, right? So you have to, there is something to be said for patience and giving up some short-term gain to have some vision in your life for where you're going. You know, I mean, Rogan gets a hundred million dollar deal. He didn't get it yesterday because he started to doing a podcast. He's been doing it for 11 years, consistently for 11 years, getting better, growing, expanding, you know, be, being the best that he could possibly be. It, it's like if you if you look if you look at people that are successful, it's because they put in the time, they put in the work, they do it over and over and over and over again, until they become masters at it. You know, it's it's a the 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 answer is the truth is out there. A lot of people just don't want to hear it. They want a boat, a yacht, a private plane tomorrow. You know, it's like how do I get it tomorrow? And the things they lose value quicker. Sometimes for most people, the actual monetary value falls less quick than personal interest. I found yeah. that with cars, right? Like I had a super nice car when I was younger. 
worst financial decision I ever made in my life. But I learned that, you know, at a very early age, and I'm super grateful. Now, the reason why I'm a big fan of direct sales, you just learn like 50 life lessons in a short period of time. You, you know? do. You know? It. <laughs> you know, and people that aren't in it, like, we'll, we'll talk negatively. And I just always, I don't know, maybe it's because like, I, I was in this, you know, cult like mentality, but i people that weren't in it, they'll just never understand. Like right. they'll never understand being inspired and being around like-minded people who just believe in you. You know, yeah. like even in school, I remember some of my teachers would just like crap on some stuff I was doing or like tell me that that's not the right play. And I don't get so caught up in the whole like yeah, college, 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 because the reality is, is anybody can be anybody they want. I love the late twenties, like where I'm at in my life. Because what happens is all the kids that went to Ivy League schools right out of college, they're going to get those really badass opportunities like working for Morgan Stanley, the biggest hedge funds, working for Google. They're going to probably get the first picking. But after a few years go by and you start hitting your higher to mid-20s, what happens is all of those other people had time to catch up and bridge the gap. Now, the person that went to community college is just as equipped with work experience to be able to get the same job or outperform the Harvard grads in their late 20s. It's basically a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree. It's like that ketchup. It's like, oh, man, you know, enough with the mustard, man. Time to put on some ketchup here. It's, it's (laughs) It's so possible, and it's really exciting. And building and i know right now i'm working on a new mission with youtube i'm about to just go ham on on building trainings and you know i i love what happens with youtube because it's like i I put a video out with my gut health two years ago yeah and i get about three to four messages a week off of that one video and it's like a blessing and a curse right like i'm so grateful it's helped so much people but everybody always hits me up asking me these questions as if I'm a naturopath. And I'm just always like, listen, bro, like I, I don't want to be answering your questions. I, I don't care about this topic that much. Like yeah. whatever I know, I told you in that video. Now, good <laughs> luck. <you know? laughs> right. But you put out that one content, that one video, that one podcast, it just creates evergreen content. And it seems like the most successful people have so much evergreen content out there that they've become authorities and they have endless leads. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. It it's true. It, it it because it's there. It's like a, you know, it it's marketing for you forever. You know, so I mean, it's it. People don't realize by by doing that, creating that content, uh, it's it's always like at the head of your funnel. You know, it's always constantly out there where people more and more as more and more people become interested they find another road to you. You know, it's like each one is a road that leads directly back to your business, to your source, to your products, to your service. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we put out so much content. You know, we just, we constantly crank out content. So David, if you could go back in time to say that, that 23 year old you, and you could have told him one, two or three things that could have saved you a ton of time, money, heartache, headache, and a very valid answer is it wouldn't have said anything because it made me who I am today. Assuming we're going to scratch that, what yeah. would be some of those things that you might have told yourself? Uh, I probably would have told myself not to make decisions emotionally, like to really work on that part of my life um, and to make decisions faster. 
like make the make the right decisions faster. Because it took me, like if I look back, I realized that the one thing that took me a long time was it took me a long time to make decisions I knew I needed to make because I was afraid of the consequences. Like I was going to have to get rid of friends that, that weren't serving me and find new friends. I was going to have to leave a bad relationship. I was going to have to draw boundaries with family members. And I left those doors open too long and it caused damage, right? It made things harder. So if I, if I could go back, I would have really been like, okay, you're an emotional guy. You need to rein that in and really learn some emotional skill sets and tools and emotional intelligence. And I would have doubled down on that area um, because it took me a while to really double down on that area. You know, uh, and part of it is like, I'm a quick start, you know, like I get an idea and I want to run with it. And in the beginning, it was like, you need to really, you need to research the idea a little bit better look at what you're not doing and make a, and make a different decision. So I would have, I would have done that. I would also have told myself like, you know, don't get married at 22, you know, don't, don't go have two kids at, at 22. Like I love my kids. I wouldn't change it now. And what's really cool is I'm still young and they're grown. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that's really cool. But, um, you know, I think I could have been a much better father if I'd have, if I'd have learned some stuff about myself first, you know? So yeah, I would have, you know, little, little tidbits like that. Like I would have, I would have, uh, I would have assured myself that I'm going to make it, you know, you're going to get there because I had such the fear that I wasn't going to, that I was trying to do everything at once and not do anything great. You know, like I was being mediocre at everything and not really being great in anything. So it took me a while to figure that out. I love that. I love that so much. Everybody can go put on some nice clothes, create a nice office, put some books on a shelf and start a show and start building their brand and start Seriously. acting like these people that made all this wealth and all this stuff. So I am uh, very excited for the fact that you were able to come on here, that you were able to share some of the knowledge that people on the pod can follow you. It's the Successful Mind podcast, correct? That's correct. And, and how often do you put out shows? Uh, basically five days a week right now. So we got, we got content that goes out five days a week, Monday through Friday, basically. That's insane. Well yeah. done. Holy smokes. That, that takes discipline and that takes a team of people. So congrats. Uh, but definitely check out the success of mine. It's amazing. I mean, David's just such a good, genuine human. He's got the best voice, right? You got that Morgan Freeman voice. It's beautiful. You know, it just speaks to the soul, you know, and the fact that you're so genuine and open and cool and caring. And I know this has been kind of a annoying to, to schedule out a few different times. So I appreciate us being able to hop on this. Not and, a problem, man. I'm just grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful to stay in touch. I'm grateful to get some merch over to you. And I'm grateful for continuing to, to be on this journey, man. Is there anything else you'd want to leave people with, how they can follow you and, and anything else? Uh, think for yourself. Like, I think it's really important that people really think for themselves right now and, and really check your own value system, uh, you know, and, and the decisions that you're making. It's, it's, it's very important. We're living in very emotional time right now, and it's very easy to be swayed by emotion. So I think that a person really needs to, to check who they are. I see people making huge mistakes because they don't know who they are. And uh, it, it's, it's important, you know, really just slow down, slow down. We're making a lot of emotional decisions. People need to slow down, take a deep breath and think about what's the right thing to do. Awesome. All right. Till next time. We appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. 
And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.